This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. Keisha Knight-Polium has grown up on TV, playing characters on shows like The Cosby Show to Tyler Perry's House of Pain. They know Rudy. They know Miranda. I've been in the business literally for 36 years. Keisha's an actress, philanthropist, foodie, and now host of her own podcast. This is an opportunity for you, my friends, my fans, to get to know me, just Keisha. This is Candidly Keisha. Welcome to Candidly Keisha. So we've had some really kind of racy, interesting shows recently. I hope you've been enjoying, but I have a special treat today. Um, I'm really, really excited um, for my guest. He is absolutely family. We, yeah, I've known you the majority of my life. But um, (laughs) so I'm so pleased to have my brother, Malcolm Jamal Warner. Of course, you know, everyone with us takes it back to the Cosby show. Theo, it was so funny just the other day, Malcolm. I um, sat on this panel for um, Georgia Power. They were doing this thing about entertainment and, you know, the city of Atlanta and the business growing here. And the gentleman who's one of the VPs over there, his name is Pedro. And he was like, yeah, you know, I wanted to audition to be Malcolm. I wanted to be Theo. And I thought it was the most hilarious thing because so many people say that to me and it's hilarious. So welcome, Malcolm. Thank you. Congratulations on having your podcast. Thanks. It's fun. I still am in disbelief that they gave me like 45 minutes to talk about whatever the hell I want to talk about. Whatever you want to, right. Yeah. I'm not sure that they realized what they were doing when they did that. (laughs) (laughs) So, So how are you? Man, you know what? I, I have this saying uh, where I say, you know, life is good. I would be a fool to complain. I look around the world and I know somewhere someone would be happy to have my problems. Yeah. So I really, you know, I, I'm I'm really in the business of, um, you know, understanding the yin and yang of life. So I'm in a really good place right now. I love it. Gratitude. That is so yeah. important. And it shifts the perspective of everything that you're going through because, you know, what you're taking for granted, you're so right. Somebody else is praying for. Yeah, yeah. And I've noticed, um, you know, what I do every now and then, I need to get back into it. But I used to wake up and the first thing I would do is make a list of 10 things that I'm grateful for. I do that every morning when I get up. I don't do 10 because I do it every day. So I give, I'm usually around four, but um, Mm. it's called, we do a gratitude circle. And I have one with my brother, Mashawn and his girlfriend, Eileen, and then also with two of my really good girlfriends. And every day we text one another and talk about what it is that we're grateful for. Um, It could be as simple as I am so grateful for this amazing, grilled cheese sandwich I had to, you know, I'm grateful for this beautiful day. So it's no thing too big or small, but what I've realized, what I've added to it is saying that today is my perfect day. Because when you set the intention, that's what you receive, or at least that's the perception that you get from everything. Because everyone got shit. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm definitely a a big, big proponent of that and just how it shifts your day, like you said. 
I know. How crazy is this that we're like doing a podcast talking about the random stuff that we normally talk about on the phone? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's so funny because I know I'm sure people come up to you and they're like, because the show, you know, the Cosby show, people have grown up with it. You know, it's so much ingrained in the culture of so many generations. They really feel like they're always like, so do you keep in touch with the cast? Do you get that all the right. time? all the time and they're like why don't you catch like a real family and I always do the, the thing I always have to get people to understand is like well look Mr. Cosby you know had five kids of his own and had his own family to raise right. and we all had um, we all had our own families who were very involved in our lives right Absolutely. So there's always this, 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 this misconception that Mr. Cosby was kind of, you know, raising us all. Isn't he your daddy for real? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's, it's right. funny because what I love about it is no matter how much time passes, you know, there's still like, especially like you and Tempest, I definitely keep in touch with the most. So with yeah. you all and even with everyone, it may be you guys, it may be a couple months between I, between the time that I speak with you, but the love loss, there's never a love loss. Like, we just can pick up exactly where we left off and just continue. So, you know, even if we don't, we don't talk every day. We don't. But the love still remains there. And it's funny you were talking about... um, you know, like Mr. Cosby and all that. And, you know, all of us have been under a lot of um, pressure to have an opinion, I feel like, about, or a judgment is the better word, of yeah. what's going on with with everything and Mr. Cosby. And I know recently they'd asked you about the legacy of the show and if you felt that it was tarnished. And they kind of asked me the same thing and they tried to kind of twist it to make it seem like what have you. And let's give some clarity to that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny because- because I did a, um, I did an interview with the Associated Press, and I was promoting my record. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're gonna get to that because your music is pretty amazeballs. So thank you, uh-huh. <laughs> thank you, huge. Uh, so yeah, so we were, we were, you know, we're promoting my CD. We spent about 20, 25 minutes talking about the CD, talking about my band and music and my career. And at the end of the interview, the last question the woman asked is, with all that's going on with Mr. Cosby, do you think the legacy of the show has been tarnished? Mm. So my response was, well, you know, um, the legacy can't help but be tarnished because they've taken the show off the air. Mm-hmm. And whenever you know there are instances where there are um, you know stereotypical images of people of color being perpetuated, we've always had the Cosby Show to hold up against that. And the next day, the headline of that article was Malcolm Jamal Warner says the legacy of the Cosby Show is tarnished. Right. You know, people and, people have to stop taking sound bites and making them the complete reality and the truth. Yeah, but that's what they, you know, that's what they do. And that's part of the, you know, understanding, uh, you know, understanding the the cold game of the media. Um, You know, that's kind of what, you know, that's what they do. And it's, you know. It sucks, and you kind of have to accept it, but it's it's part of the price of doing business. Absolutely. But, you know, everyone, like I said, is entitled to an opinion, but, you know, it doesn't have to 
matter to me or what have you. Um, but, and you know, a lot of, I've been bombarded with that too. I was doing um, um, press as well. And I, I just get it that that's kind of a part of what people are interested in and what they're going to ask. And for me, I just always try to take a positive spin and I completely understand your perspective. But I was just like, you know, just how I was just the other day at Georgia Power and the VP over there was wanting to be Theo and talking about how, you know, that whole show and experience shaped his life. My response had been, you know, that you can't take it away because it lives in people's hearts. So you can take away it off the air for now or what have you, but ultimately... Um, the experience and the memories that people have that are connected to that show transcend all of that. Because at the end of the day, whatever Mr. Cosby is going through in his private life is his private life. And this was a show that was fiction, but positively impacted and depicted, you know, African-Americans and just people in general. And the biggest thing that I loved about The Cosby Show is that it had the ability to transcend race, religion, um, geographic location. The things that we talked about were so intrinsic in life and in family and relationships that they spoke to everybody. Right, right. And and you know, and I actually ended up, um, I actually ended up quoting you uh, in in several subsequent interviews once they became, you know, once the you know the legacy of the show being tarnished became right. such a big quote of mine. Um, in subsequent interviews, I always brought up your name and I always say, you know, Keisha, uh, you know, Keisha has a really great perspective on that. In that, all of the people who were influenced by that show, the generation of kids who went to college because of the Cosby Show in Different World, the generation of young people who became doctors and lawyers because of that show, uh, people who have gotten married and have you know started families that they can you know that they can love and right. you know re- really raise. Yeah, you <laughs> can't undo really right all of that positive stuff. Right. You know that can't be un- that influence cannot be undone. So I um, I like I said I bring you up a lot in those interviews and I talk about that perspective because right. when you said that I was like that's a very uh, that's a very real perspective. Well, I'm glad that we got that out of the way, and it's unabridged and cannot be altered because it will be aired exactly the way we've discussed it. But moving on, because I feel like, you know, there's so much more to everyone's life, and this show, what I love about it is that we can talk about those things. So often, you know, when we're promoting, they can kind of guide the light to shine on one aspect. But you, like myself, you're so multifaceted. You have so many different talents. You're always working on so many different things, following your passions, one of them being your music. So I know the story, but let's tell the listeners the story about how this whole miles long you playing the bass and stuff came about. It's crazy. But, you know, I've always been into music. You know, my dressing room always had, like, a, you know, my little four-track and drum machine always. and whatnot. I remember when you used to let me play with it and make beats. Yes, Right, do. exactly. <laughs> so it's always been a part of, you know, what I wanted to do. Um, but it wasn't until I was when I was 26. I was it was the first season of Malcolm and Eddie. Okay. And you know, coming from you know, I had you know, we've, we've spent eight years over at NBC where Mr. Cosby made everyone acutely aware of the images of people of color we mm-hmm. were putting across the airwaves. And then I go to UPN where their whole programming and marketing scheme was the antithesis of what we grew up with. Yeah. 
But I figured, well, you know, they know I come from you know, a history-making show that shows that black people can be funny, um, you know, without being stereotypical. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, you know... You know, you know, as, as we watched how Mr. Cosby ran that show, and I constantly say that a lot of the things, a lot of those stereotypical things that you did not see on the Cosby show wasn't because the writers were not writing it. It was because Mr. Cosby, you know, it. yeah, he said, that's not the show that we're doing. So I, you know, went to UPN, you know, kind of with, you know, my being a graduate of the University of Bill Cosby. Um <laughs> Thinking that, you know, that I had so much insight to, um, you know, to offer in terms of the show. And what I realized is that nobody really cared. Um, You know, they already had their their set audience. um, And I found myself every day fighting writers, producers, studio, network, fellow actor, because no one else really seemed to care about the images that we were putting across the airwaves. Yeah, a lot of times people, I don't mean to cut you off, but a lot of times people fail to realize that you can be entertaining and informative. You can be fun and, you know, learn a lesson at the same time. It doesn't have to be all one or the other. Because, like, on our show, you know, it was fun. It was, you know, we had our silly moments, but then there'd be an amazing piece of artwork or Dizzy Gillespie would be coming up as a character. You know, like, we he infused culture in the show. So you could have both. Yeah, yeah. And I thought that that's, you know, kind of why they brought me over to UPN to kind of, you know, uh, bring some of that influence. Um, and then it turned out that, that, that they weren't interested in that at all. Just kidding. Um, and, the, and the writers were not interested in, uh, you know, neither the writers nor the network were interested in doing any kind of upliftment at all. So I just found myself being incredibly frustrated and realized that, since I was the only one caring about the show as much as I was, I needed to find a hobby. Um, you know, the acting started as a hobby, became a career. The directing started as a hobby, became a career. I love that so you I said figured- that. Because so many, that's what I, I speak a lot at colleges now. And one of the things that I tell them is follow your passion and the money will come. That yeah, it's about, you know, exploring all of the different interests and hobbies because they're not by accident that you're inspired to do certain things. Yeah. So when you follow them, you know, your hobby, which is, you know, learning, you know, music has always been your hobby. Then you found the instrument and it not only became a hobby, but a therapeutic release that's turned into a whole nother career. Career. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and what's so funny is when I picked up the bass, I was like, this is going to be a hobby. I'm not, you know, I'm never going to start a band. I'm never going to record a CD. I'm never going to be one of those corny actor dudes who were trying to <laughs> do music. <laughs> well, you can't, but this is the thing. If you're, you have to start out being a cornball. So if you start as a cornball, you'll become a cornball trying to do music, but you're not a cornball, so you didn't have to worry <laughs> right. about that. Right, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we turned into a, you know, fast forward, you know, years later, I'm doing jazz festivals and jazz cruises and you Ooh, know, I bet I those old ladies be trying to fondle you. you and be feeling all oh, over you. <laughs> hey, let me tell you something. These, uh, jazz cruises are not just old ladies. Oh. Jazz cruises are pretty... Yeah, they're pretty contemporary and uh, and pretty hip nowadays. When I think of a cruise, though, I feel like cruising is for, like, the, the geriatric demographic. Like, they believe in some cruises. So maybe that's right. me. I apologize if I'm being stereotypical. Yeah. I think jazz festivals attract people of all ages. But cruises in particular, I feel like they, they have, like, those women be ready to get it, boy. 
definitely. But on jazz, <laughs> but the jazz cruises um, attract the same audience as a jazz festival. Oh, cool. Okay. So it's the you know it's that jazz festival audience that gets on the on the jazz cruise and just go buck wild. Still turned up though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, and, and that's also funny because when you look, like, I, I think about, you know, when, when we were growing up and 40s and 50s were not as hip and young as 40s and 50s are today. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, so it's, Maybe it's, it's just so because it's, we're getting closer to those 40s that we, well, you're, you're there, but you know what I mean? We're getting uh, yeah. closer to those 40s and 50s that we feel that way. Maybe it's personal because yeah, you know, I'm about to be I, 37. I so. <laughs> yeah, right. But it's interesting because I think, I think hip-hop has had a lot to do with that as well. Just okay. in terms of you know, hip-hop being a, um, you know, it started out as a youth culture, but those of us who have grown up on hip-hop, yeah. even though the majority of the hip-hop that gets played on the radio, per se, doesn't necessarily um, appeal to us read, yeah. or speak to us, but there's still a level of hip-hop that we've grown up with that we still listen to. The fact that Slick Rick is 50 years old and, and still can still performing. rock a mic. Right, yeah, still performing. You know, and, and killing it. Right. Well, I had to thank you because, you know, I was little. So you and Tempest were my like entrance into hip hop. Like I'll never forget being like seven years old or eight. I forgot how I was probably about seven, like around. We'll give it around eight, nine, eight, nine ish. And because y'all would be listening to the stuff I couldn't listen to. So like I'll never forget (laughs) hearing N.W.A. for the first time on, you know, Walkman and Big Daddy Kane and everybody else. So. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, man. And I didn't even tell. I didn't even get anybody in trouble. Look at that. Right. See? See? <laughs> no, you were, you, you were never the tattletale. No, I wasn't the tattletale. Because uh, I learned early that, you know, if I want to be able to come and tag along, that I had to keep a secret. I had to go. be able to keep my mouth closed or else I wouldn't be able to go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk more about your music. So you're, you just released... Um, Another. This is what your second, third. You've done uh, a couple. Yeah, this is my, yeah, my third. Yeah, my third CD. Okay, um, third CD. It's called Selfless. Selfless. Where can people find um, it? Uh, iTunes is probably the best way. With it, iTunes, Amazon Music. Um, you can go to my website, MalcolmJamalWarner dot com. Okay. Um, and I, you know, I, I'm I'm really pleased with this record because it just it, it really represents where I am just right now in my life. So you know, and I put so much of myself. Uh, into this record, you know my my insecurities, my vulnerabilities, my swag. Um, I've got some really great guest artists on the record: um, Stokely Williams from In Condition, yeah. uh, Rasan Patterson, Layla Hathaway, Layla Hathaway yeah, Lettucey. I love uh, Lettucey. Robert Glasper's on a couple of tracks, so it's really it's it's a really cool record. I'm I'm very pleased with it, and I've been getting a lot of great uh, response from people as well. Well, good. Well, listen, we're going to take a quick break here at Candidly Keisha, and when we come back, we are going to talk more about Selfless, about winning a Grammy, and all of the yeah. amazing things that you're doing. So, stay tuned to Candidly Keisha. We'll be right back. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. You're listening to Candidly Keisha. 
Welcome back to Candidly Keisha. Again, I have my brother, Malcolm Jamal Warner, who is calling in from LA um, to do Candidly Keisha today. We're talking about Selfless, his newest CD um, from his band Miles Long that he's released. So like, let's hear more. You were talking about who you had guest, guesting on this album. And tell me some more about your inspiration, some of your favorite songs. Um, right. Let's start there. Well, this, um, you know, the, so, so the city is called Selfless, and it came from, um, uh, there's, a, there's a poem on the city that's called Selfless itself, and it's really about um, just looking at, as I look at the history of my relationships and, um, you know, understanding that I'm in a place right now where I have decided that I really don't want to, you know, get back into another relationship until I'm ready to give my heart selflessly. Nice. So recognizing that a lot of times I approach relationships, you know, very protective of my heart and only giving a piece of my heart, um, that I realized that, you know, I need to really take some time. It's interesting because I need to take some time with myself so I can give selflessly in my next relationship. But in order to get to that selfless place, there's a lot of time that you have to spend with yourself. Absolutely. Right there, that's something that, you know, I feel everyone needs to do. You know, the piece of not only getting to know yourself, spending the time with yourself, but also loving yourself unconditionally in the manner in which you want someone else to love you because it's real easy to say this is how I want to be loved but what I know and what I've learned is that you teach people how to love you by how you love yourself yeah 100% and you know part of that is just kind of taking a step back and taking inventory because we get so caught up and busy in life and what have you that we don't even recognize what we're doing or not doing to love ourselves the way we deserve to be loved. Yeah, and and you can't really you can't really fully love someone else until you learn to fully love yourself. Absolutely. I mean, it sounds kind of corny, but that's really you know that's the process. You you can't skip the loving yourself process, uh, you know, to fully love someone else. And you can't skip the vulnerability piece. Like you said that that you know this album was very vulnerable. It was open. It was. You know, it's amazing how it's easier sometimes to be vulnerable in front of a mic where millions of people will hear it versus vulnerable in the room with that one person that it matters. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny you say that because, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm a poet. I'm a spoken word artist. I, you know, part of what I do is, you know, be on the mic in front of a lot of people and spit my poetry. What was really interesting about a couple of these pieces uh, because there are some pieces on the record that have no music; they're just straight poems. Mm-hmm. And I kind of found the same kind of kind of challenge that you're talking about. Doing these poems at a mic in front of a crowd full of people is one thing, but doing the same poem at a mic in a booth by myself is a whole different execution. Mm. And you know, it was those pieces were definitely a challenge for me. Um, because it was definitely a more intimate, um, you know, a, a more intimate and more vulnerable kind of thing. Like you were saying, you know, when you have to be vulnerable in front of just one person, uh, you know, it can be challenging. Yeah. So what's your favorite, what is your favorite um, song on this album? Ooh, 
As you know, it's, it's, and I know it, people I know ask you that, and it depends on what day and what mood yeah. and all that. And, Today, and, at and this moment, go, what's your favorite? Go, oh, well, they're all my babies, and you know, bullshit, they, bullshit. Uh huh. No, they really are. Like, <laughs> like you know, they're oh my gosh, they're all dope. They're, 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 you know, like so, Spark and Tingle, the piece with Layla. Okay, I was gonna, awesome. I was gonna bring that up because I was listening to that this morning before, um, before we started, and I was like, this song is hot. <laughs> Thank you. I like that song. It, I love that piece because it's a you know it's a love song, um, and it's about you know real really one you know really wanting to be in love. Um, but then there's the song "Brand New Day," mm-hmm. uh, the song with Lettucey, and that's also a love song, but it's a love song um, with myself. Yeah. You know, like there's a there's a there's a, a line in the second verse of Brand New Day that goes, um, I've been Brutus, Judas, and Delilah to my soul. Wow. Truth be told, sometimes I've even been a virus to my soul. But now I vow to spend the remainder of my life in my role as happily married wife to my soul. Nice. So so oh, I, I feel love like that I should snap. Oh shucks, watch <laughs> <laughs> So sometimes I wake up and I'll play that piece and just kind of, you know, kind of start my day and just kind of remind myself. Like the the, the CD for me um, is therapeutic and the CD for me is what I need to kind of get me through life. And what I've been told, you know, what you're taught as a writer is the more specific you are, with your writing, the more universal your writing is going to be. Mm. So all of these pieces I've written for me to get me through life, and you know I've been able to uh, touch other you know, people's when I lives and them, help them get through. Yeah. Because right. when I share them and I realize, you know, the feedback I get is how much the words resonate with other people, um, you know, that's the thing that reminds me, oh, yeah, there are other people who can benefit from, from these words just as much as I benefit from them. People connect to authenticity. And what I can yeah. say about all the work that you do is that the authenticity is palatable. So, like, you can feel it. And, you know, at the end of the day, as long as that's the case, you're going to always touch people and touch their hearts. I always, you know, say it's important to speak to people's hearts and not their minds. And when you speak yeah. to their hearts, yeah. um, it's it's a feeling versus anything else that that's immeasurable and it has the ability to just impact people's lives um, and kind of touch those different crevices and vulnerable vulnerable places um within each individual so yeah. yay yeah. kudos to you <laughs> thank you darling. so you've been at this and granted you know you've won awards and what have you for your acting and all that that you've done and i know people know that piece of you that's why the music part to me i love because it's kind of like opening up another door to your soul um so you won the grammy let's talk about that yeah it's crazy right right yeah, man. So I did this project with uh, with Robert Glasper, mm-hmm. um, and um, for his second uh, his, for his second CD, um, his second R and B CD, Black Radio Two, and I was I was hanging out at the studio, and he does so he does an arrangement of a classic Stevie Wonder song, uh, Jesus Children of America, and when I was at the studio, uh, Layla, uh, you know, sang the uh, you know sang sang the, the sang the song. 
in one take, mind you. Um, of course she did. And Come on now. Robert was playing <laughs> me the rest of the song. And so he has a friend, a musician friend, whose daughter was one of the young kids killed in the uh, the Sandy Hook Elementary Massacre. Oh, wow. Okay. So Robert's playing me the song and telling me how his buddy is, is writing a poem and going to do a poem you know, about his daughter and Sandy Hook. And it was, I thought it was a really dope idea. And when I came back, uh, he was back in town about two weeks later. He was mixing the record. And he said, listen, my buddy could not do the poem because it was really too close to home. Mm-hmm. Do you have a poem about Sandy Hook? And I told him, no, but, but give me the track. <laughs> yeah, man, I said, give me a track. I'll go upstairs and write one. So I went upstairs, and literally in about an hour, um, I wrote this piece. And it's interesting, because I always talk about, like, you hear writers talk about, oh, well, I didn't really write that. God wrote that, and God was just right. using me as the instrument. And you kind of go, yeah, okay, that sounds, whatever, whatever. That's exactly what happened. You were just that, the vehicle. Oh, my gosh, Keisha. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. It was just like, you know, the, the, the channel opened and it just like all that stuff just came out. So it was really a pleasant surprise to get the nomination. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to, you know, to actually win the Grammy for what's such a beautiful song. Um, it was, you know, it was a beautiful song when Stevie Wonder did it. Right. Um, you know, but it's a beautiful song. Robert's arrangement is beautiful. Layla's vocals are beautiful. Um, but it's also a powerful song. And because it, it, it's also, you know, a tribute to the kids from Sandy Hook Elementary, just really makes the win that much more fulfilling. That's, you know, it's so, it's, it's interesting how things come together. And I always say this, what's for you is for you. And clearly that was for you because you couldn't have orchestrated that. That was complete divine intervention. Absolutely. Hands down. So I love that you shared that story. Um, You know, what else, is there anything else that you have coming up that you're working on that you want to let, you know, people know about? Well, yeah, I did a, um, well, you know, for the last uh, three seasons, I I do a recurring role on uh, TNT's Major Crimes. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're actually in our fifth season now. Nice, congrats. Um, So I go back to that, and then I just finished doing um, American Crime Story. Which is not to be confused with American Crime, right? But uh, Ryan Murphy, who you know produced and created uh, Nip Tuck, Glee, American Horror Story, uh, he has a new franchise for Fox called American Crime Story. Okay. And this first season is American Crime Story: The People versus O.J. Simpson. Oh, okay. Uh, so we just finished that series, and it's uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. playing O.J. Uh, John Travolta plays Robert Shapiro. Oh, nice. Courtney Vance plays Johnny Cochran. Uh, so it's a really That's a great an amazing cast. cast. Well, listen, y'all awesome. know you know where to find me if they need like a smart, um, pretty black girl who's great with a gun, or you know, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, I'm available and ready to do it. Yes. Get it. Oh, my goodness. It's been so good talking to you. Like, I appreciate it. Please. Also, before we um, head out, I want to make sure that they know everyone knows where to find you on. If it's IG, Twitter. I know you mentioned your website. Please um, share. Yeah. Well, the um, the website is MalcolmJamalWarner.com. 
Uh, Facebook is me, Malcolm Jamal Warner. And my Twitter and Instagram is at Malcolm Jamal War, because that's pretty much all that would fit. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh, I guess so, because Keisha Knight Pulliam. Because I can fit the whole of Keisha Knight Pulliam on oh, yeah, Instagram, fit, yeah. but not on Twitter. But Instagram, you should be able to fit your whole name if you chose to. All right. Yeah, you know what I did? I, when I got Instagram, I just transferred my ah. Twitter handle over. Yeah, that was good. I figured I should start fresh because mine was Peaches Pulliam, and people were really confused by that on right. Twitter. But it's right. such a long story how that one happened. But it is what it is. It's still Peaches right. Pulliam, and that's, you know, it is what it is. But... <laughs> Oh, thank you so, so much for, for joining us here today. And I just no appreciate it. It's, you know, it's fun to get to chop it up with you and do something that I love doing and talk to someone who I love. It, it's awesome to be able to do what you love. I must, must say that. No doubt. And I, I think it's great that, that we're having, you know, we're doing this podcast just based on us talking yesterday. Yesterday. <laughs> it really, and honestly, like, that's how my podcast happened. I'll, and, and how you say, like, you know, people, you think it's BS when people are like, oh no, I was a vehicle, God. So each week I'll just be like, God, angels, like, please help. I'm like, what am I going to do my podcast on this week? And it literally always comes to me just like that. It'll be a chance conversation, an encounter, uh, what have you. And I'll be like, hey, do you want to do my podcast? Or it, something, a dialogue will happen that will completely inspire me to what I should talk about. And I'm just grateful that, you know, it always happens that way. I don't know how, and I'm not trying to figure it out. Angels, I appreciate right. you. God, thank right. you. Um, it worked. And it works. So if it's yeah. broke, why try to fix it? We're just going to leave it be. But I just want to, again, thank you so much. And this has been another Amazeballs podcast with Candidly Keisha. So stay well, tuned. And, and, and huh? I see Keisha, but, but before you end it, I just want to say, I, I really want to go on record because I say this I say this <laughs> so much to other people about you. So I might as well say it to you on your own podcast uh-huh. that I'm, you know, I've, obviously I've known you since you were four years old. I know, right? And I'm just, I'm really proud of the woman that you've become. Um, I'm really proud to have been able to watch your journey and watch your growth. Um, and I think, you know, we have been, we have all had, we being the kids who've grown up on the show, have a really exceptional experience uh, yeah. in terms of, you know, the success and the phenomenon of that show. Um, and, and having that experience, but also, you know, having the kind of parents who, you know, were in our lives yeah. and actually did their job of parenting um, and were very influential on keeping us, um, you know, with a very real perspective right. about this business, about who we are in this business, about how we, you know, uh, carry ourselves through the world. And I always tell people that you are the most well-adjusted adjusted former child television <laughs> star ever. Thank you. You just and hate it. Just look, you really just hate it when you just hate it when your friends though send you like bikini pics of me. But besides that <laughs> 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 then Big Brother right, jumps out that. you're ready to like <laughs> hurt somebody. Yeah, but I'm just really I'm just really proud of you. Um you know, and I remember the conversation we had years ago when you're like, well you know, I want to get back. I'm finished with school. I want to get back in the business, but I don't want to move to L.A. So I'm just going to move to L.A. for a couple of months and, you know, figure it out. 
And I remember having this whole conversation with you about, no, Keisha, you can't just come to L.A. for a couple of months. you got to come here. you got to move here. You have to live here. And, you know, and just the fact that, you know, within a year of us having that conversation, you came to L.A. for a couple of months and popped so much stuff off uh, back to back to back and, you know, made your way back into this business without a hitch, without skipping the beat. And, you know, I'm not only proud of that, but I find that so impressive that you did so well and didn't listen to me at all. (laughs) (laughs) But thank you. I mean, one thing, I definitely heard what you had to say and I took and I took in your your advice but you know I take advice from many people that I whose opinions I I care about but ultimately you know I follow my heart and I just follow my intuition and follow what feels right and you know that's all you can do you you can take that but what works for one person may not work for the other and yeah I just I've always kind of been like well my my brothers all joke because they're like I'm a little what's the word I'm a little I'm more of the whimsical child of the bunch where I'm just kind of you know gonna do this and then they're like and then this shit happens what the hell i'm like i just i follow the inspiration that's given to me and i can't say that it's of me um but i just listen at this point yeah. i just listen but please send your mom my love and I um I, I just i thank you again i love you and i don't know a better way to end this has been right. candidly keisha see you and talk to you next time This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.